I think this work is going to be the beginning of the spiritual yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and and so he he really starts to get into some questions on spiritual theology. Um, and of course, I'm pre- I'm actually prepping. You're, you you might be you, you got I'm, as, I'm too as, quiet as Mike D from the BC Boys say. You got to pass the mic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. He's moving the mic closer to me here. Okay, I need to be louder. Um, but uh, I I think um, I'm teaching spiritual theology next semester, uh, and uh, we'll be using Rowan Williams' book on. Um, the wound of knowledge, knowledge yeah. right? And he has a whole section, not a whole section, but a small section on Nyssa. Uh, we're also probably going to be using Andrew Luce's book, and I think he has a section on Nyssa too. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, how his corresponds with with um, Williams. But I read Williams last semester, and it was very interesting, some of the things that he said, like the backside of God, like you were yeah. talking about with Moses. Um, and and I'm so I'm very... In- it's 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 that's partly one of the reasons why I taught this class because I wanted to hear his spiritual theology, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really starting to come out here in this text. So um, for those of you who read the intro, I don't remember if I signed that or not. It was only a page and a half. Well worth it. Um, this text uh, says uh, Virginia Callahan was discovered by. Da-da-da. Werner Jaeger. My great grandfather. <laughs> no, he's not your great grandfather. <laughs> I'd like to claim it though. <laughs> there might be a relation. At least you know that he was a hunter. I mean there's a there's a relation in in an end. I mean we're we're both I'm striving after the Jaeger cause. So. Uh, which is which is knowing Gregory of Nyssa. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I, she actually says it was rediscovered by Nyssa or by Nyssa, by Jaeger, um, who actually recognized that there were two two uh, two works one that was uh, a short treatise uh attributed to to nissa called uh on the christian mode of life um and another that was called that was a long letter that was attributed to as she puts it a certain macarius um but then she uh werner jaeger actually realized actually these go together they're both from nissa and the whole thing is his treatise so he's the first person that sort of came up with this. In 1954, um, he put out a book entitled Two Rediscovered Works of Ancient Christian Literature, Gregory of Nyssa and Macarius, um, but basically saying this is all Gregory's work. She also points out, which I noticed also when I was reading this, that his explanation of grace and man's work and and the relation between the two, or if we can call it that, I don't know. I mean, we'll get into this maybe. Um it predates the Pelagian controversy um, by about 50 years, which started up in the um, probably the early 5th century when Augustine was writing against Pelagius. Um, but that was after Gregory's death, right? He died in the 390s. Um, but Gregory's already using language that's going to match Orthodox understanding versus Pelagian understanding. And there's a number of places in my own uh, notes in this text that I wrote that out. Um, but it's important, I think, to note that uh, Callahan points out that this is, as she puts it on page 126, uh, a treatise intended as a guide for a large group of monks. So again, we're, we're, we see him writing to monks on virginity, if you remember, was, on, was, was for a large group of monks as well. Um, she says the first part is concerned with the goal of the religious life, which St. Gregory always equates with, quote, the life of the philosopher. Um, there it comes again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the second part discusses a number of practical problems connected with being a monk, which we'll get to in our next podcast here. Um, but it's interesting that she points out that this is a reformulation of ideas on different works that he's written already. Um, she assumes, and I, I assume she's probably sort of leaning on Jaeger uh, here, Werner Jaeger, not Dr. Jaeger here. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Jaeger's leaning on her. Uh, but uh, that this was produced in the last years of his life, probably after 390. So remember, he dies in about 394 to 395. So in the last five years of his life, he's writing this. And it takes into account stuff that he's written on virginity, on the Psalms, Canticle of Canticles, Life of Moses, three of those, which are a part of our class. Um, so he's kind of bringing back stuff from On Virginity. If you remember, On Virginity was the first work that he wrote. And it was also directed to a large group of monks on how to live the monastic life. The same thing is happening here at the end of his life. So I, I think this is a real opportunity to see, does he change? Does he have different ideas? 
is he is he really kind of just staying the course and thinking of the same ideas that he's always thought of? Um, and uh, I think we'll have an opportunity to see that I, as we go forward. Can I make a comment? So go for it. So the um, so I, I read the introduction, very short um, introduction, but on the bottom of one twenty six, mm-hmm. um, you get uh, so so was it Callahan? Um, Yep. She thinks uh, that there is a noticeable change, uh, and and it's in the extensive use of the, the biblical support. Mm-hmm. And I and I also uh, realized there didn't seem to be as well, at least in the first half, as heavy of an emphasis on the Platonic mm-hmm. themes. It didn't mm-hmm. seem as Platonic as on virginity and, mm-hmm. and a lot of his other um, sort of earlier work. So I I, I, I wonder if um, he's kind of. Not not saying leaving Platonism behind, but sort of realizing um, the 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 background in which he is is um, thinking is is more scriptural um, right. than it is. Well, I mean, I, I was actually I found this to be very different than his other writings. Yeah, because it was just like, in some sense, strings of scriptural quotes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in some ways, yeah. It was it, it almost which, which which other fathers do. Right? I mean, I've seen that a lot, but. Yeah. Um, it almost read like a journal. It and maybe it, was, it kind of, in some ways, was. I mean, yeah. it was just for, for a bunch of monks. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, um, but I, that, I, was just, I, I, I... I saw that, and I thought, I wonder how, how significantly different this is going to be. And, and it was... I did not get any any sense of, of Platonism yeah. in it. That's interesting. Uh, this, is, this is why I discuss this with you, because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. Although I noticed it was different, right, with the scriptural mm-hmm. references. But I didn't think, like, he's not so heavily relying on a, a I don't know if I want to say this, this is kind of a nasty word, but pure philosophy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but instead, he's, he's really, in a sense, leaning on scripture as his, as yeah. his, uh, as his bedrock in this. Yeah. Uh, which is... Um, very Christian, it yeah, seems to me. Yeah, yeah. Not that, not that, not, not that, that looking at Platonism is not Christian, right? Because everything is ours, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah as has been said, as has been said by wise by wise men, wiser men with longer beards. <laughs> <laughs> we got so, to get him on one. I know, I know. We're talking about Doctor Riches, by the way. <laughs> but uh, but I think I think it's very interesting that. Um, Really, I, and and I think heavily Saint Paul, heavily yeah. Saint Paul, yeah, yeah, yeah. right in this and above anything, yeah. and and in in that I I found his explanations to be more exegesis than mere sort of like observation like and speculative, syllogism. yeah, speculative theology, yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, so, yeah that's right. so any anyway, any, anything strike you here in this? Um, Well, I, I've, I mean, there's one thing, which which kind of takes us off topic that I was going to want to talk to you about down the road. So I, we don't. This probably is not the best thing to, to lead with. But on uh, one thirty, uh, he he makes the once again playing on the uh, um, Ephesians Saint Saint Paul uh, that paragraph on the bottom of page one thirty. It is necessary, therefore, for us to bring ourselves to perfect manhood, as the Apostle tells us, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the deep knowledge of the Son of God, to perfect manhood, to the mature measure of the fullness of Christ, that we may be now no longer children, tossed to and fro, yada, yada, yada. Um, and and I, was, I was thinking about, just in general, there's, there's this um, emphasis in, in St. Paul and in... Um, uh, and Nissa here, and, and and I would imagine kind of throughout most of the the, the patristics, the um, this this idea of of moving from childhood to manhood in regards to to the faith. And mm-hmm. I was, in light of some other stuff I've been reading in, in Balthazar, um, there's a sense in which that's 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 correct, but also um, what it is to be a perfect man, or to to to, to grow into to like complete manhood. Is in some ways to have the perfection of childhood in mm-hmm. in in in, mm-hmm. in the sense of like if you go back to what he was saying in like on virginity like purity uh, 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 that it seems which he talks about here too yeah so so I I, I, I mean we could, we could talk about that down the road I don't want to make us too much about that but I was thinking that there was something interesting 
um, going on here and that the Christian mode of life is one which unsurprisingly is going to be paradoxical. It's going to be one that, that leaves childhood in order to attain manhood, which itself is the perfection of childhood. Right, right. Uh, so, so, so uh, but I think that's what St. Paul, that's what St. Paul uh, and, the, and the Gospels, the Gospel writers are, are, are telling us. Um, and, and I think that's what um, people like David Schindler think about when they think about creatureliness. We yeah, have to re- exactly. We have to retrieve creatureliness, which yeah. is a dependency yeah. Yeah. on the Father. And if you're looking for other things to do uh, in your free time uh, at home over the next couple months, uh, the, uh, the, 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 Discussions we're going to be having uh, from my um, philosophical psychology class. Right. It's going to be the metaphysics sort of behind uh, some of this we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so it'll be the same so, dynamic duo here. The dynamic duo. <laughs> that's right, right. Or dialogical duo. For dialogical us. duo. <laughs> not diabolical duo. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hopefully not. Not throwing apart, but speaking, Spe- speaking together. Yes. <laughs> Actually, on one thirty, on that same page, he, he he goes into this sort of explanation of nurturing and growth of his own, where he says, uh, let me quote a little bit here, just as the nature of the child newly born does not continue in the tenderness of age, but when it is nourished by food, according to the law of nature, it takes its measure in proportion to what is given to it, so it is fitting for the recently born soul whose participation in the spirit restores to its nature its former beauty, after it has destroyed the sickness which comes over it through disobedience, not to remain always a child, inactive, leisurely, sleeping unmoved in the state of its birth, but to nourish itself by its food and in proportion to what its nature demands, to rear itself by means of every virtue and labor, so that it fortifies itself through the power of the spirit by its own virtue against, and of course he always has a cosmic understanding of things and the devil is always present, the unseen robber, Attacking it with many devices. Hmm. So, actually, this reminds me of Norris Clark, which we're going to talk about in our next yeah. in, in your podcast. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but this idea of seeking to nourish the poverty mm-hmm. um, by that around it is is just the nature of man and the nature of being, perhaps. Right. Um, right especially yeah. creaturely being. Uh, well, maybe yeah. only creaturely being, but we'll, we'll get into that in the next podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But I think it's 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 interesting that perfect manhood is 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 moving out of this state of sickness and lethargy. Maybe he doesn't mm-hmm. use that word, but or, or Callahan doesn't translate yeah. it as that, right. and moving into a state of activity. Yeah. Right. But activity of dependence. Right. And 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 um, he uses the language on the next page of the full flower of beauty, which, which makes me think of sort of, uh, the Heideggerian, probably platonic poesis. Yeah. Right? And yeah. this, and this, this flowering of being into its perfection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, Gregory seems to think that this is, um, and this is, it's really on 131 that he, that he starts getting into this idea of, um, this, you know, Callahan used the language of, I don't know if I like this language. Um, Where is this? This is on page 125 in the oh, introduction. Okay. Um, well, she talks about the relation of grace and human effort. Uh, oh, she says at some point it coincides. The synergy theory, the cooperation oh, yeah. of the grace of God and the moral effort of man. And I, I don't know if yeah. I like that language exactly, but I do think that Gregory has this understanding of human effort and um, the gift of God being together um for example 131 near the bottom after he has a number of quotes from scripture which we're going to see happen over and over as we were talking about he says by this he summons us to run and he urges us to enter the contests eagerly since the grace the gift of grace is measured by the labors of the receiver so there's there's this correspondence and, and and I hate to think of them as two different things, right? Uh-huh. Grace and human effort. Right. Like that's seems to me a dualistic understanding um, that 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 perhaps is reading back reading Descartes into the fathers. Right. Instead, I think what's happening here is some sort of a I don't know the word to use here, but there is a correspondence of laboring and receiving. Um, perhaps we might talk about active receptivity right it's just yeah. one of my favorite words and again comes up in clark yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah but but um there's there's something going on here where 
the lover, as he puts it, the lover of toils is the one that is united with God. Um, as at the very bottom of that page, he says this really interesting comment. The grace of God does not naturally frequent souls which are fleeing from salvation. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you're not fleeing from salvation yeah, so, at home while you're not a Benedictine, yeah. right? Um, and yeah. it, really, that's kind of a kind of a spiritual um, examination of conscience that we should be doing always. I think. Watching cat videos constitute fleeing oh, yeah. from salvation. I, I would say that that is, that is running sprints away from <laughs> salvation. <laughs> Sprinting away from salvation. Uh, instead, you have to do, which he says at the very end of this, right? Uh, yeah. the, 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 the ultimate, the ultimate, this is, this is page 143. Perhaps, I, perhaps this is going ahead a little bit, but he says that the perfect Christian moves to, towards the end, which all lovers of truth go towards. Mm-hmm. And he goes on and he says, they must walk in pleasure with striving and zeal through firm faith and steadfast hope. For these, the course of life towards the greatest of the commandments on which every prophet depends um, with the law is easily achieved. What commandment do I mean? Quote scripture. Here we go again. This is um, quoting Deuteronomy and Matthew because Jesus quoted himself, if you want to put it that way, um, in Matthew 2, 36. uh, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So really, I mean, if we want to talk about those fleeing from salvation, it's the cat video watcher. And those who are fleeing towards salvation are the ones who love the neighbor as themselves. And the neighbor that you have now is the person that's living in your home. Yeah, which is probably uh, as a... um... Uh, a psychologist that uh, sometimes I listen to, Ray Gurendi. Have you ever listened to? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the person, the person that you live with is probably the hardest person to live with. <laughs> <laughs> Not because of them, but because Not of be, the yeah. person you live with. Yeah, yeah. right. Because because yeah. you're you're constantly always around them. <laughs> anyway, what do you think of that, Doctor Jager? I, I think, think that's talking stuff. a lot here. So. No, no, no. No, that's great stuff. Like, 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 always happens when I attend your classes. I'm, I always am two pages short for <laughs> finishing the reading. Well, <laughs> well, that actually happened when I attended my class, which we talked about. When oh yeah, you were asking me questions. Yeah, in class, yeah, and no. I realized I didn't read those two pages. Those two important pages. It was the only time that happened, <laughs> students. Let me tell you, that I actually didn't read two pages in on on a lecture that I gave. But they were really important two pages, and I basically spent. Half of the, the next class. You, you redeemed yourself. Don't <laughs> so, so here's a, I don't know, here's a, a, a question, a big picture question. So yeah. the title of the work, On the Mode of... Or On the Christian Mode on of Life. On the Christian Mode of Life. Yeah. Um, so what do you think this... What do you think this work is, is, is attempting to... Is it attempting to explain what, what, it, what it is to, to be a Christian? Like what does it mean to live out christianity uh is that so that's like what's the i mean i I think so i mean he he talks a lot and this is by the way this is matches vatican ii perfectly if you read perfecte caritatis talking about the religious life he's writing to a bunch of monks right Mm -hmm. so he continually like 128 he says um says, I'm talking to you who believe in the blessed and eternal trinity, right? Um, And then he goes on in the middle of the page. uh, On the grounds that we have received it from many witnesses, we make our confession by means of the spirit which watches us in the stream of the mystery. What a great phrase. Mm. In the stream of the mystery. Uh, On the next page at the bottom, he talks about the importance of holy baptism, wherein the rich and ungrudging spirit um, gives us that which which enables us to live in Christ. So, so the, the reason this matches Vatican II is because Vatican II says, what is a religious life all about? It's about plumbing the depths of one's baptism. It's about living baptism in its fullest. Yeah. So I think sometimes we think yeah. of baptism as sort of this like baby, baby sacrament that we receive, and then we start yeah. getting the real stuff. And it's not the way that the church has ever really yeah. understood baptism, not the way the fathers understood baptism, definitely not the way Gregory's understanding so, it. Okay, so I'm, I'm seeing a theme. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, getting the, I'm getting the vibes. I'm getting, a, getting some vibes here. Uh, Are you with, you with Gregory's mojo? Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting... No, I'm, I think it was that Russian chant at the beginning. <laughs> that did aid the whole yeah, process. That, I, think that was, I think that was Gregory speaking to us. <laughs> uh, 
but so at the beginning, so here's how here's how the the, the work opens on page one twenty seven. If anyone withdraws his attention for a moment from his body, so this is the, pl the platonic sort of theme, uh -huh. uh, but you don't get. This is like one of the last times, at least for several pages, that you get this deep reference to like this platonic mm -hmm. apparent dualism. Although I don't think it's real dualism; it's just a sort of attention, like like. What are you focusing on? Not not like, oh, here's this bad thing, here's this good thing, but what are you focusing on? And so he says, if anyone withdraws his attention for a moment from his body and emerging from the slavery of his passions and his carelessness, looks at his own soul with honest and sincere reason, he will see clearly how its nature reveals God's love for us. I mean, this is, some, I think, really intense stuff here. Yeah. And his intention in creating us. So if you can understand yourself if you understand if you basically if you heed the the famous um oracle at delphi going way back to mm -hmm. this is like old old greek mm -hmm. old mm -hmm. greek stuff here that if you know thyself if you really know what it is to be man mm -hmm. you will see as nissa says clearly you won't just see you'll see clearly the fourth line how its nature that is your nature reveals God's love for us and his intention in creating us. Um, uh, reflecting in this manner, he will discover as essential and natural to man, I'll read that again, he will discover as essential and natural to man an impulse of his will towards the beautiful and the best. Um, yeah, there's, there's, so this is, this is very much Nissa though, right? I mean, he, he's, this is, this is his understanding of the image of God in man in such a way that it can be um, the mirror can be pointed yeah. toward your arse, yes, right, right, <laughs> right? Right. Yes, as we talked about. Take a minute and redirect your mirror yeah. away from your arse. Yeah, emerging from the slavery of your passions and your carelessness and look at your own soul with honest and sincere reason, right? Look at yourself as you truly are, right? And this is what the image of God is all about. And he specifically says in the the rest of that sentence that I cut you off there. If I did cut you off, I don't no, know no, no, no. <laughs> I, I I ended it so you could pick it up. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> this okay. is dialogical. This is all. dialogical, right? This is this is this is why where we are relational with each other. Uh, he says, and connected with his nature, a, a passionless and blessed love of that intelligible and blessed image of which man is the imitation. So going back to this Imago Dei in man, where if you look at yourself with honesty past the sort of deceptive, illusory veil, mm -hmm. if you look past that, then you can see really what it is that you are and you can see ultimately what it is that he is by looking at yourself, right? And, right. and, and this is very Augustinian too, right? Yeah. By, by going inward, mm -hmm. what is more intimate to me to, than to my... Than, I am to my, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I am to that thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's God, right? God yeah. is more intimate yeah. to me than I am to myself, right? And so yeah. I, I think this, the next sentence, he kind of talks about the deception that happens when we're beguiled by the visible, the changing, the unreasonable emotion, the bitter pleasure. This makes us not see the reality of what we are. Yeah. Um, but especially the reality is seen in... in, in in being plunged into the stream of mystery, right, as he talks about in the next page, yeah, right. and and holy baptism, wherein yeah. one so, partakes in, participates in. Yeah. Uh, he says it's somewhere. Ah, oh, I gotta find it now. So, so cause, okay, so it looks like he's introducing. Here's two ways, two 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 modes of life. You have two modes of life. You mm -hmm. have the mode of life, which is, um, as he put it, it's uh, it's it's it the, the life which is washed in the stream of the mystery. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the the stream of baptism. I mean, mm -hmm. there's all this notion of like purification, water purifying um, um, into the into the depths. Um, you have that mode of life, which is the Christian mode of life, and then you have this other mode of life, which is the the, the, the mode of slavery. It's the right. mode of of uh, the passions of the the illusion that he mentions on the very first paragraph, right? Um, and so then it looks like. It, it, it makes perfect sense that once he he says where does where does this um, deceptive path originate? Uh, it originates in the pleasures. It originates in an over attachment to the things that um, that that aren't God. That aren't mm -hmm. um, that aren't the beautiful. That aren't the good. Um, and then that that can only be purified. You can only sort of 
be led from that path to this other path by way of the, the and then he goes through the the the, the washing the, the the baptism so so you kind yeah. of you kind of get this 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 transition from um the the deceptive way to the uh, the way of truth right I mean, and, and then that's why like the sacraments are going to um, play a key role where it, it also ends so we talked about viaticum at the end of uh where we left off i think 143 i didn't i didn't read it uh it's just when you were reading ahead uh-huh. uh just a couple minutes ago i saw at the bottom um oh yeah yeah so so i i think in some ways it's it's a the christian mode of life is a sacramental life it's the life of sacrament mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh I, I i i wonder um something to kind of keep in mind is if if the sacraments are going to keep appearing throughout the, the second half of the work. Um, yeah. It seems, because I mean, that seems to be the life of the Christian. Right? And, I, and I wonder if this... And that is the life. I mean, the sacraments are... Yeah, which in the midst of this not yeah. being able to receive sacraments yeah. is kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think that something really interesting about this is, uh, again, let's let's talk about this being his latest work, one of his latest works, if Callahan is right, or maybe she's relying on Jaeger and, and yeah. Danilu, right. whoever whoever came up with this idea, this is late work. Yeah. Um, it's it's in some sense very important that he is centralizing the sacraments in the life, which he doesn't seem to do as much in yeah. on virginity. Yeah. On virginity seems to be more of a, I don't want to call it Pelagian, but yeah. um, let's just say um, it's it's much more centered on what you can do to fix the mess that you are. Right. Whereas right. this seems to be much more centered on what you can do with the fix that the spirit has given you in the waters. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he continually says like 132 right near the top um he says the power of human virtue is not sufficient in itself to cause the souls not sharing in yeah. grace to ascend to the beauty of life. And he says this a number of times. Yeah, or even even going down, uh, on just a few lines from from there. Uh, and again, and here he's quoting um, Psalms, mm, Psalms, Psalms. For not with their own sword did they conquer the land, nor did they, nor did their own arm make them victorious. Although they used their swords and arms and their struggles, so so they they use these things although yeah. it was not those things which conquered and i don't know if that um, parenthetical phrase is from the psalms yeah, or if it's I, I from gregory yeah, yeah i don't i don't know my psalms i don't know my psalms shows it yeah we did a monk here <laughs> but it was your right hand and your arm and the light of your countenance yeah uh, and then he goes on and then gregory comments on this what does this mean that's a great question i don't i love that's <laughs> what does this mean uh, it means that the Lord from on high enters into an alliance with the doers. The doers. Yeah, this is interesting. Yeah. Enters into an alliance with the doers. This is, this is very, like, co- commenting on Pelagianism before Pelagianism I mean, was I cool. Mean, I mean, just imagine how, like, like, just reflect on how, like, weird this is. So the, 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 that, that um, psalm just said, um, it was their sword, not with their sword did they conquer, uh, nor with their arm. It was with your arm. Mm-hmm. Right and 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 uh, and then he says, um, but they did this because God's right arm and right hand uh, entered into an alliance with the doers, the mm-hmm. ones that did it. Right, mm-hmm. so so he's basically saying they didn't do it, but it was because God entered into alliance, whatever that means. I think he's deliberately staying poetical there. Yeah, alliance. Yeah, I don't know what the Greek in, is. In like there. sort of like army metaphor, right? Um, alliance with them. Well, it's um, interesting though, because this first part he comments against pride. Right? So don't think that it's all about you. Yeah. But the next part he says, at the same time, it means that it's not necessary for men considering human efforts to think that the entire crown rests upon their struggles, but it is necessary for them to refer their hopes, for their goal, to the will of God. So it's mm-hmm. saying, don't be prideful and think that you've done it all, but don't also despair and think I can't do it because. It's not you doing it anyway. Of yeah. course you can't do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The power of human virtue is not sufficient in itself, as he says right. at the top of that right. page, right? Right. So that, for those who don't know, I don't know I don't know where the students are necessarily. They might not know about Pelagianism. Pelagianism yeah, is, yeah. is the idea that, uh, well, it comes from a monk from um, Britain, actually, perhaps Scottish, um, who uh, in the 
beginning of the fifth century started teaching that it was by human effort alone that anybody had that anybody could be saved and that if you're a really awesome badass monk then you can be saved and if you're not then uh you need sacraments yeah. and gregory's saying no it's not like that and and that's a good thing yeah. because none of us can do it and it's not going to make us flip out about it right which is i think yeah. pretty so, cool so so you have you have this push to um uh, so the Pelagianism is, is sort of the heresy that, that pushes to man can accomplish things on his own um, uh, and, and God provides the graces for the weak people. Yeah, for the losers. For the losers. Yeah. But they become winners because they're losers and they recognize that they're losers. And they're, but, but the strong people can right. kind of you right. know, accomplish which, which is Which is a failure to recognize that losing is winning in Christianity. Yeah, yeah. But let's not go yeah, into that. Let's, that hold, let's, take hold, a... let's hold on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But what, what's the what would be the alternative? What's the alternative heresy that pushes in the opposite direction? The direction of um, God does everything. It's quietism. Quietism. Yeah. Is that that's an official like? Yeah. Yeah. Who who? Where did that come from? Uh, it's kind of a. Um, it's. I know in the early modern like like so early modern philosophy. It's right around then. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's right around then. So. Um, you know, it, it's it's right around the idea that you just sit back and let God do everything. Yeah. And you don't do anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that's quietism. It's I, I'm I'm I should know this better, yeah. having tell spiritual theology. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think I'm thinking like fifteenth, sixteenth century. Yeah. yeah. I mean I mean the, the philosophical debates over the relation of God's causality to, to, to human creaturely causality mm-hmm. in the early modern period really gets off the ground. Um uh, I mean, starting with Descartes. I mean, all. all I mean, Descartes. Uh, Hume. Hume has a chapter in his inquiry on human understanding. Even though Hume's this guy that's really sort of skeptical of all causality, he uses the the debate over divine creature causality to sort of suggest: Look, most of you religious people don't think that you really do anything anyway because mm-hmm. you think God's causing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like when you when you see, you know. Um, uh, who was it? Nicholas Punch Pelagius, was it? Or was it Nicholas? What's uh, the Arius. Story? Arius. Arius. Nicholas punches Arius. Santa Claus punched Arius. Santa yeah. Claus punches Arius. And, and, uh, Does he actually use that example? No. no oh, okay. No, this, this is, uh, so you, you see that happening, and, and, and in light of you know, your, your views, you think you know, it's really God that's doing it anyway. It's, it's not really Nicholas that's giving Arius the black eye. It's right. really God. Yeah. So he yeah. says, look, I'm not saying anything different. I just don't think God's doing it. No one's doing it. It's just, we don't have to get into the philosophical stuff. But That's interesting. So, but what we do is we rise above that and we say, no, no, no you're using cause univocally. Mm-hmm. And you're assuming that when God does something, then that insofar as he does something, I don't do something. Right. Which we don't, we don't want to think that way. Yeah. You know? And I think this yeah. is getting into the heart of some of the stuff he's talking yeah. about. Here. So, so, so you, you, you have the, you have this tendency in, in the philosophical literature, and actually, it's it's even pushing today. It's something that I I'm I sort of struggle with at times is how much control do I have over the goings on in my life? Mm-hmm. When you really take divine causality seriously, it's it's very tempting to say no control. I have no control whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and now this is something that I'm trying to um, um, you know make make uh, make good on by reading Balthazar and trying to and Ulrich and Ulrich yeah and yeah. trying to get a, a more a more balanced uh, sort of view but I, I I think it's really tempting for people to fall into the uh, the quietistic yeah the quiet quietism quiet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and as, as sort of a, a, a response to Pelagianism yeah um, but anyway I, I I was just curious what because that that I think is um, it's in play that he's not he's not saying um, God's doing it, therefore you're not doing it. Right. It's, right. it's this. It's this sort of mysterious um, alliance or conjunction. Or, yeah. Well, there's no Whatever, good word. There's for no it. good word for it. Right. right. Yeah. 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 So. I mean, all those words kind of make it seem like two different things, and they're sort of like synchronized swimming. Yeah. And I, yeah. I don't and think that we ever want to think that way. I think the best analogy um, that that I uh, um, have, have have heard of the relationship between like God. God's activity and human activity is um, the author to the character mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. a novel. Mm-hmm. So, like when Frodo's taking the ring to uh, Mount Doom, yeah, um, is Frodo really doing it? Yeah, Frodo's really doing it in, in the story. Is Tolkien 
making Frodo do it. Yeah, Tolkien's making Frodo do it. Is Frodo thinking about what he should do and struggling about what he should do and sort of freely making decisions? He is, but only if Tolkien, you know, lets him. Yeah. In some sense, more than lets him, kind of makes him yeah. let him or however you want to. There's a, there's a, there's a great Anne of Green Gables reference here um, yeah. <laughs> where Anne, who is prone to writing stories, and, yeah. and I don't know which of the seven books this is in. They're all worth reading um, for sure. Yeah. Or eight books. The last one's the best one. Anyway, yeah. um, but there is a point where she says, I can't stop this character from doing this. This is just what the character's going to do. Yeah, yeah. And there's almost a turnaround yeah, that she, yeah. the way she talks about writing the story, is she can't. Not, this character can't not be this way because that's how the character is. Oh man. And it, I think it's a very there, interesting comparison with what there, you're just saying. Oh, okay, we're gonna get a little off topic. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, there, there, there's this, there's this. Um, I think it's in Aristotle's Politics. Uh, not entire. I think it's in his politics, but uh, I, I heard it referenced by um, D.C. Schindler okay. um, in, in, in that lecture. Actually, I sent you on on freedom. Okay, and he talked about the um, how uh, freedom comes through sort of the limitation of possibilities. So, so like once you once you kind of get determined, you get like a determined identity yourself, right? So, so for example, you. Here you are, not sure what to do with your life. Uh, you sophomore, junior, senior in, in college. You don't yeah. really know what to do with your life. And yeah. so you kind of feel like your life has no direction. It has no, there's no like real control you have uh, in its course because you don't even know what the course is. But as you get more determinate in what that course is, it, it, it kind of starts to play itself out naturally but mm-hmm. it but it plays itself out naturally in such a way that it doesn't undermine its sort of free playing out it, or it's mm. sort of like like you know unraveling as it as it should or ought as a as a like a f- sort of a free agent going down that path if that makes sense it's almost mm-hmm. like if you take on a if you're doing like improv and you start taking on a, a personality um, the more that you sort of take on that that personality in like improv acting or improv you know music or what have you, you you kind of find yourself setting parameters in which to to now act or to play. And this that, like, character would be like this, not yeah, like this. yeah. And now yeah. if I and if I completely change character, it's going to destroy the song or it's going to destroy the play. Interesting. And so like it's actually like it it would it would be more um, it would be more detrimental. And therefore, they're like more. You'd be less of a person, less of an individual, if you like deviate from from that as it as it continues to play out. So there's this maybe like carrying this analogy on into huh. to creatures is that God's. I mean, this is just really speculative, but God's causality could be such that as humans play out, they kind of start to to write their own story, which is what it was to create. A free agent in the first place is yeah. to create this individual that writes his own story that has to like play within yeah. or act within or be within that the parameters of that that story. Yeah, um, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, but I think there's this. This, this goes right into Clark's understanding of being is limited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being creaturely is to be being limited. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is fascinating. Yeah, but but I think I think yeah that that idea of freedom, um, uh, I think can can is not seen as opposed to um, limitation, but limitation is actually at the service of, of freedom because it, it's able to orient you to a, you know, you know a, who you a, sound a like. single end. Who's that? Maria Montessori. Oh, there you go. I'm telling you. you I'm telling go. you. You basically quoted her. Okay. Right I mean, it sounds exactly like something she would say. Well, that's good. No, I think that's great. That's great. I think that's great. Yeah. Although she would be very sad about what's happening in Italy right yeah, now. Yeah, no, that's... that's, that's... <laughs> well, I... Well, what time are we at there, Jim? Uh, I think Did we've you... been so we're going fifty minutes. Uh, right. Let, let me bring up one more thing before before we. I guess you call it signing off. Signing off. <laughs> signing out or um, last call or yeah, <laughs> last last call is more like it. I think. Um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> I I, I want to bring up this this. I don't know if I want to call it a spiritual point, but it's 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 a point that he makes about what. He seems to be 
referring to as the non-distinction between the obvious sins and the hidden sins. Um, and it kind of starts off on page 34. Mm-hmm. Um, what, on the bottom of page 33, he has some, ver- some very interesting idea of how one is united with someone else when they imitate them yeah. and become their likeness. Right, um, As he puts it, moving from 33 to 34, nothing can be united with light unless the light is shining upon it. Of course, light is a huge theme right, mm-hmm. for, for Gregory. But he talks about, he kind of gets into some of the sin lists of the scriptures, and he gives his own sin lists. Um, and he makes a comment on one of the sin lists where he says, notice how, this is on page, um, yeah, this is on page 136, um, where he's kind of shocked at calling at the fact that John, in his letter, says everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. He says he openly calls hatred murder. There is no difference, he says later on in that paragraph, there's no difference between the evils that are hidden within us and obvious invisible evils, that there seems to be this correlation between them. Then he quotes Romans 1, um, where Paul gets into a sin list, and he says at the bottom of that of 136, do you see how he intertwines deceit and haughtiness and guile and the rest of hidden faults with murder and avarice and all such things? But what does the Lord himself mean when he exclaims that which is exalted in the sight of men is an abomination before God? And he kind of talks about the fact that if you're going to be virtuous, it's got to be hidden virtue. Mm -hmm. But he also talks about the fact that there is no real distinction between the invisible and the visible in man, which which had kind of, in in one sense, ontologically, maybe maybe in an anthropological sense, talks about the unity of man being one. But at the same time, it talks about the fact that... um, and 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 I'm shocked that he did not bring up the Jesus's quote that if you commit adultery in your in heart, your heart yeah. and you've already committed, if you look lustfully right. to a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. Yeah. I mean that's like yeah. the slam dunk right. of this whole thing. He doesn't bring it up, yeah. um, but that's definitely what he has in mind, right? Yeah. That there is no difference between the hiddenness and the obvious, or the the cult, as as Aquinas would call it. And the manifest yeah, sin. Yeah, yeah. That the same thing yeah, for Gregory. Yeah. And it, and and therefore he seems to say but there is a distinction in some sense between manifest virtue and hidden virtue. Because yeah. he thinks that hidden virtue is true virtue. Manifest virtue, as he puts it at the bottom of page one thirty four, do not look for reward in heaven having deposited your deeds below. Do not expect honor from God having gotten it from men. But he's just commenting on what Jesus says anyway, yeah, right? Yeah. So there's this unique thing about secrecy of virtue, and yet at the same time, secrecy about sin is not in some sense less sin because it's not acted out in the visible world. Mm-hmm. To, be, to be a hater is to be a murderer. To be a lust, to be a, a lech. Yeah. Yeah. Lech, is that an acting one or not an acting one? To be a lustful one, let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah. To be a lustful one is to be an adulterer yeah. and a fornicator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And that's very... Um, I think it's I think it's a very important spiritual point that he brings out and something that we need to recognize both yeah. uniting the anthropology yeah. and Gregory but at the same time just in our own yeah thinking of how to live a Christian mode of life. And I I think it it, it reminds me of um Dostoevsky Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Explain please. We are, we are we are I'm already salivating. We are going deep into the heart of Russia now. <laughs> We started there, might as well start, end there, right? Start, the beginning is the end. Uh, <laughs> no, that's um, Elliot. He's British. Let's go back to Russia. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> um, but the the, um, um, the the idea that all is responsible for all. So this mm-hmm. is a line in, mm-hmm. in uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky's Brothers Karamazov, um, which if you're looking for something to do to pass the time, uh, please... <laughs> Please read that that novel. Yeah. Um, uh, but the the idea that um, how how so this this is this is a theme that comes up throughout this 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 very long novel. All is responsible for all. Like all every individual is responsible for every other individual's faults or sins. Right? And you and you ask yourself, how in the world is that the case? How am I responsible? For the sins that are occurring in 
in Bangladesh. Right. Or like how right. like how is that ever you're just being you're just being kind of silly over the top hyperbole sort of stuff. And I think I mean in in a technological sense you are because you probably own clothing that was made Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, so but, but he's not talking about we that. We can we can we yeah, we can actually talk about how the fact that I'm, you know, drinking a beverage out of a mug that says probably somewhere made in China. Um, but it does say Benedictine but College Ravens. But it does Ravens. say Benedictine College Ravens on it. <laughs> um, uh, ignore, that, ignore that aspect of it. I think there's even a more um, uh, a deep metaphysical um, uh, point going, going on here that when you recognize that you are the same type of person and you have the same type of struggles and the same type of um, sort of moral, individual, personal, occult failings, right? The, 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 the private failings. Mm-hmm. We, all, we all do. We all like to, to, to kind of think, um, no one knows how bad I am everyone else probably isn't as bad as I am. But I think one of the things Dostoevsky's saying is, you see that murderer, that murderer is just like you. He's no yeah. different from you. It's just what happened is his character has been made manifest. Right. Right. And so... It's, so, very, it's also very Sultanism, right? Sol- this idea yeah, that, exactly. that, that the, the, the line between good and evil goes right, right through the through human the, heart. Yeah. 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 And so I think, I think what you see in a murderer, according to Dostoevsky, is you see the revelation of yourself. You mm-hmm. see what you are mm-hmm. in the other because you realize that you are that type of person, uh, and so, wow. so 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 in some ways, am, am I like culpable for it? Um, strictly speaking, no. But then in another sense, if if you're to believe Gregory of Nyssa, you are a murderer, uh-huh. right? You uh-huh. are an adulterer. Yeah. Um, uh, if you if you take what he's saying very seriously. Uh, that the, the 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 action is itself simply a um, manifestation, a revelation of the character, and if what's to be, if what's really to be the grounds of moral evaluation is character, not simply just action. Now, this is something that's unique about the modern world is that we think action is what ultimately matters, but that's right. that's not at all the the, the classical view. It, it was, it and that's was, I think that's person. exactly what he's rejecting. Here. Yeah, 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 and so and so when you recognize that you realize that there is no sharp distinction between the, the, the character and the action, the action is just the communication of the character. It's, it's sort of the, the presenting of the character that you are, mm-hmm. um, that you, then you realize the only reason that, um, people think that I'm so great is because, uh, I've been able to control to some extent, some minor extent, the, the the character that 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 I no that's a good thing don't, don't get me wrong right 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 it's right. good to be able to control that but but the character trait or the the character identity the self is still deeply I mean if, if for 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 many of us still deeply this the sinful mm-hmm. character and this is why you shouldn't think like oh that horrible that horrible sinner I can't believe how bad he was right um, when you yourself have a what is it a log in your eye. Yeah. Is that the, yeah. is that the, the logger a beam? You know, yeah, a beam, a beam, right? So, I don't know. I, I think that's um... no. I think it's true. But uh, so let's lend, let's end this on two notes of hope after that depressing. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, <laughs> I, I like to take us to the heart of Russia, which is always which is always depressing. depressing. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, true. Uh, so uh, near the end of this, he he sort of. Is it near the end of this? Yeah, the, uh, 142, right? I mean, uh, well, let's go back a little bit first before we do that uh, to um, 137. So recognizing that there's no distinction between the hidden and the obvious, as he puts it, or as, as Callahan translates it. Yeah. Um, there is... I mean, he's talking to the monks, right? So what does he want to tell? He wants to encourage them and say, as he says in 137 near the top, the wicked and unhard to cure and strong are those things possessed in the depths of our souls so that it's not possible to rub them out and to remove them through human efforts Mm -hmm. and virtue alone unless through prayer 
we take the power of the spirit as an ally and in this way conquer the evil which is playing the tyrant within us. So this, this I think, uh, notice how he says prayer, right? I think that's yeah. really important because it's not just I've been baptized and now I can just sort of like live off of baptism. And in fact, he seems to, at one point here, I don't remember where it is, basically say anybody who thinks that they've like don't need to worry about this anymore is, is, is idiotic. So don't think I've been baptized, I've been saved, right? He's, it's through prayer that the power of the Spirit becomes an ally. So yes, you have the power of the Spirit, but you cannot be allied with it except through a continual labor, a continual struggle, a continual entering into the contest, a continu- which, 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 which a part of that contest is prayer, right? The, mm-hmm, the prayer is mm-hmm. itself a contest. Um, and if we do this, as he, as he goes on page 142, starting at page 141, uh, oh, here's where he says it, 141, that that first full paragraph. Do not acquiesce in his gifts, thinking that because of the wealth and ungrudging grace of the Spirit, nothing else is needed for perfection. Here's the quietest, right? Yeah. yeah. Rather, he, he says, you need to move forward in that and enter, because this grace re- ultimately results from love, as he puts it. And so love becomes the point of one becoming, as he explains it, and using the scriptures, a new creature. You have to be so. So going back to this understanding that you're kind of talking about this this deep within us, essentially within us, is this some sort of distortion, mm-hmm. and that I'm responsible for all. Nonetheless, in the waters of the mystery, we can become a new creation, and in becoming a new creation, can enter into the fray of the battle with the power of the Spirit allied with us in yeah. such a way yeah. that we can, as he puts it, uh, take care of the fiery darts of the wicked one, which are our unbridled passions. And how do we do that? It's by love. It's by love of God and love of neighbor. So I think I think there's a real um, hopeful ending of this section yeah. that we're reading. Yeah. If if you got to forty three, top, top of one forty one, charity quoting quoting once again, uh, Saint Paul, charity does not envy, mm-hmm. is not pretentious, is not puffed up, is not unseemly, is not self seeking, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice over wickedness but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never fails. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the we, reading at weddings, right? Yeah. And Gregory is saying, no, this is just Christianity. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and this is why I think marriage is a sacrament. That's, that's one where you enter into and it's, I, I get the impression slightly that it's, it's a little more redeemed in this work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely not railing against it so far. Yeah, so far. Yeah, so far. I haven't read the whole thing, but so far. Yeah. Um, so. But so, so that's a good note to kind of end on. Another good note I'd like to end on is a little more Russian chant. Let's 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 get it going, Doctor Jager. <laughs> well, and with that, we'll see you next time, or not see you next time, but hear you next time. <laughs>